Welcome back to this week's episode of the Movie Babble Podcast. I'm hosting today. It's me, Brennan. I'm uh, joined by Nick. How's it going? What's going on, buddy? Uh, you know what? Not too much. It's It's been an all right week for me. I mean, a little bit of a downside. I mean, it was, it was always coming, but COVID is rising here big time. So they've shut down theaters where I live and most of the urban centers um, for kind of, I, I guess you can say, definitely. They said about a month, but... With the way things are looking, it could definitely stretch longer, unless they want to try to get some Christmas re-releases out. Who knows? Um, but we do have a lot on the docket today. It's going to be a good show. Um, first things first, the box office, really nothing doing. Last weekend, Freaky came out, the Vince Vaughn Blumhouse film. It did uh, all right last weekend, a little over $3 million, a little over a million this weekend. Not too much there to talk about, though, as theaters continue to close down after trying to reopen these last few months. But the first big story of the day, um, and this is definitely an interesting one that we can talk about just considering we live on different different sides of the border, um, is that Wonder Woman 1984 is moving to HBO Max and theaters on Christmas. How many theaters? Who knows? As we said, there are about 2,000 open across the United States right now, a little less than 40%. Um, but this is a very interesting, uh, interesting move from... Uh, uh, Warner Brothers here. What do you make of this? Yeah, I, I'm going to tell everyone to forget the also in theaters part and just just watch it at home. Even if you don't have HBO Max, it costs what fifteen dollars, I think. So that's basically a ticket in some markets. So just stay home. <laughs> we had two hundred thousand cases the other day, new cases. Just stay home, watch it on HBO Max, see what happens. But yeah, this is a big move for uh, just the Wonder Woman eighty four and Warner Brothers HBO Max. There's a lot of different little pieces here that I'm interested in parsing through. But, yeah, we have a big-time movie to look forward to, right? Because it feels – what was the last superhero movie? I guess uh, Harley Quinn back in February or something like that. Yeah. So uh, I'm interested to see how starved people are to watch a big-time movie like this again. I think its reported budget is $200 million, so – we haven't seen something on this scale for quite a long time, unless it's been on Netflix or like The Old Guard or something like that has been pretty uh, high budgeted. But yeah, I think there's a lot of people who are really excited about this and have been really wanting to see the movie. And I'm one, I'm definitely one of those people. I think Wonder Woman, the first one, is really delightful. Um, just I love everything that Patty Jenkins did with it, except until the third act. But <laughs> that's a discussion for another time. But it's a really good movie. And I'm sure this one will be pretty good, too. Uh but yeah, there's a lot of financial ramifications to all of this. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. I think this is a very interesting uh, turn of events here. I mean, you're right. HBO Max, if you if if you can access it, watch it on there. You definitely don't need to go to a theater at this point uh, in time. I wonder how it's going to do, though. I mean, when you do think of blockbusters this year, this will be the first one since Tenet, but Tenet definitely tried definitely had a big theater focus i'm sure this will probably just be like a theater dump and then really focus on that hbo max for me however in canada they haven't even launched hbo max so for me i'm in an area where i i think pretty close to me uh there's there's probably a theater open or something but majority of the towns around me and in the cities are all closed so it's going to be very odd for anyone who doesn't live in a country with HBO Max, which is a lot right now. I know most of Asia, most of Latin America, a good chunk of Europe, they don't have HBO Max yet. So this is going to be a very exclusive release. And to me, I wouldn't call it a head scratcher, but it definitely, uh, there's a question mark there for me personally. Yeah, and I think the big thing underneath all of this is that Warner Brothers and 
the powers that be at HBO are basically using this movie from from my perspective as a soft relaunch of HBO Max because HBO Max hasn't been doing great. I mean, they're not going under or anything like that, but their subscriber numbers are pretty low. You would consider they'd be a little bigger considering the back catalog of HBO stuff and all these different movies and Turner Classic movies and they have some of the Janice films on there. And just They have a really good catalog that I think is probably one of the best out there in terms of all the streaming services. I mean, you, the Criterion channel, it's a whole different ball game. It's my favorite. Just watch that instead. But in terms of like the, I guess the more mainstream ones, it's probably the best, but I think it was a really bad marketing ploy from the beginning. Cause at the beginning of it, they, they were like, Oh, if you have HBO, yeah, I already have HBO max. And so people were like, great. And you try to figure it out and it was very confusing. I had to set it up for my parents and it took me probably a half an hour to figure it out. <laughs> and it was like the, they didn't, it didn't use your actual email that's tied to your account and use this weird AT&T email and all these different things. It's, it was very, very confusing. I think it deterred a lot of different people from using their product. So I think they are using this as a way to get more subscribers. And I don't know if that is a big moneymaker for them because you look at this Wonder Woman was probably going to make what billion dollars in theaters. Maybe the last one made right around 900 million or something like that. So they were probably shooting for that number. And frankly, I just don't see them getting a billion dollars back, but um, who knows? I don't know how they're going to gauge success on this. Maybe they look at it year, year over year in terms of the subscriber boost that this movie gets. Um, but I certainly don't see them getting into the black on this uh, very, very soon. Yeah, no, there's no way they're going to do big numbers with this. I think you're right. This is really a focus on the HBO Max uh, revival, if you will. I mean, I, I feel like it had, just, this is just me looking at social media. It seems like it had a decent launch um, initially, but maybe it fizzled out really quick. But obviously, I didn't get to see anything marketing or anything like that because they haven't really pushed it here yet. Um, but yeah, the first one, or this one's going to cost around, I think, $200 million. Um the only thing that they're going to benefit from, and this is definitely a huge uh, benefit for them, is they aren't going to be having to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on marketing, right? Like, you could kind of chalk this up as not only marketing for this, but marketing for HBO Max. I just don't see the marketing costs being as high as what they would have been if this was a full-scaled uh, theater release. Um, but still, I, I, I don't see them turning a ton out of this uh, HBO Max slash theater hybrid drop. Yeah, and that, that is one of the big underlying things here because I've read a lot about No Time to Die, which all of like the big magazine um, covers and all of these big uh, conversations with the stars and all these things ran leading up to the movie's initial release date of April. So once that <laughs> release date changed, like, they're going to have to figure out a whole new marketing scheme and that's going to cost a lot, a lot of money. And I think Wonder Woman 84 has been in this position where it's moved right before the marketing ploy would always ramp up. So I think it's always been a few months out before it's pushed its date each time, which I think is probably pretty smart on their part. But yeah, I think that is true. They're probably going to spend a little less money on that side of it. So who knows what they're actually they're actually in the hole for in this one, but um, it is really interesting because we have seen Warner Brothers do this a few times, and they moved they would Scoob to HBO Max pretty quickly. I think that was actually like the first new movie that they put to, to HBO Max that from 2020. 
Um, and then they had The Witches, which came straight to HBO Max, which is a terrible movie, but <laughs> was a big deal, right? Because that's a big Robert Zemeckis production. That movie had to have cost, I don't know, $100 million or something like that. It was a big production, a lot of CGI in that, a lot of terrible CGI, but there was a lot of CGI in it. Um, and that movie had stars and all that. And so they have done this a few times. And I think there's a there's another movie that's a Melissa McCarthy comedy coming out on HBO Max next week for... Uh, Thanksgiving Superintelligence, uh, directed by uh, her husband, Ben Falcone. Uh, so they have been at the forefront. And you also have American Pickle as well, the Seth Rogen movie. So they they really have been trying to make a push here. But yeah, nothing quite uh, lends, the, lends your attention more to a service than something like Wonder Woman 1984 dropping on it. So um, yeah, I don't really, like, I, I would love to be able to look at their ledgers for this, but I... I can't see this being that good of a move for the for their books, but maybe they needed an influx of cash, just like every other studio needs at this point. So I don't know. I'll certainly be watching. I'm happy to be able to sit on my couch on Christmas, but um, I'm I'm very interested in this for what this leads to moving forward on the business sense, and if they put more of their bigger properties on HBO Max right away. Yeah, this kind of uh, opens up an interesting Christmas duel between this and Soul, actually, which also is going to land on Disney Plus on Christmas Day. Um, obviously, I'll be watching that one, considering I don't have the HBO Max, but we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, we'll see how I can somehow watch this movie at some point. But yeah, the first Wonder Woman was good. I liked that movie. I thought it was enjoyable. Um, so I have been looking forward to this one. And the marketing for it and just everything that's come out for it looks pretty interesting to me. I think it'll probably be another solid um, a solid uh, release there from Patty Jenkins and the team. Yeah, I mean, you have what uh, Pedro Pascal is basically the embodiment of '80s success and of uh, excess, and he's fighting Wonder Woman. That looks kind of fun to me, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I, it is interesting that with Soul as well, because obviously Disney Plus did their whole deal with Mulan and put that on Disney Plus for what was it, twenty, thirty bucks over over the top. Um, so it is interesting that they're just having soul just on the service altogether. I know we've talked about this before, but we'll see. I think there is a lot to say. Well, maybe we'll know sometime in January after both of these movies release based on what these, what these two streaming services do moving forward. Cause I think there are a lot of news that come out of these things right after that opening weekend. Like we saw with trolls world tour in April, universal quickly went to that. 17 day window with AMC theaters and everything like that. So you might see some big news drop immediately after a successful weekend. So um, we'll see. I think it's, it's really fascinating. I'm who knows. I'm happy to see a, a big time movie and I'm curious if people will um, greet it with open arms or more open arms than they would have if it was going to theaters. Cause they're so excited just to see a big time movie again. I'm interested to see if there's like some crazy, overhyping of this movie uh, just because it's available and it's a big time movie and we'll be waiting for so long that'll be interesting to parse through yeah i think that's definitely potential um but either way hbo max is going to gain uh gain subscribers from this and it should be at least a little bit of a net positive but for um wonder woman might not be so much of a net positive when all is said and done but it will be interesting for sure to see how this all plays out so that is Big news that Wonder Woman 84 has moved to uh, moved to a Christmas release. That is probably, I think, I guess we can consider Soul as probably the first big movie. Or Mulan, actually. Um, so now we've had a few. We've had a few of these big-time movies that have pulled out of 
their uh, their full scale theater release. They're not holding out anymore. And you're probably right. They need that cash influx. I know even, I think we spoke about it a few weeks ago, the uh, James Bond, uh, there was an offering to Netflix for 700 million or so to, to, to take that off their hands. But Netflix said that's a little too much even for us. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting little trend here. Yeah, I think that was also, I think Apple was in that as well, and they might have been the leaders in that. But yeah, I think we're going to get to this point where, look, we hit 2,000 new cases in the U.S. the other day, or it might have been yesterday, but this <laughs> the virus isn't coming any, isn't going away anytime soon unless the, the vaccine really does its work. So we'll see where that happens maybe sometime next year. But even that, that'll be a prolonged rollout with going towards uh, healthcare workers first on the front lines, then obviously people... Um, elderly people first. So I like, who knows when there's a normal quote unquote. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a, there's going to be a point where a lot of these things, studios are going to be like, Hey, we need to drop black widow on a service or no time to die needs. We need cash because we're really struggling at this point. And for, for, for the longer this goes on, we're going to get closer and closer to that point. So I wouldn't be shocked if there wasn't, if there was another big time movie like this, that would, come up on a service in the, in the months to come. Yeah, no, for sure. It's interesting. Um, so let's move on to the Netflix top 10 here as we have been. Um, a lot of Christmas stuff here. A lot of Christmas stuff has invaded the Netflix top 10. Is it already that time of year? I mean, today was kind of the first big snow for me. Um, uh, so it's getting there. So we're going to start at number 10 here, Holiday. Um, the Princess Switch at number 9, and that's definitely due to the sequel. Um, the Christmas Chronicles at 8. Um if anything happens, I love you. We will discuss that as well. It's a short film at seven. Alien Xmas at six. There's so much diversity of Christmas movies here. <laughs> um, How the Grinch Stole Christmas at five. Uh, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey at four. The Grinch at three. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs breaks through at number two um, and resists all this Christmas stuff. And then The Princess Switch switched again at number one. Um, so now we have two of these movies. Uh, did we need two of these movies? Um, no. <laughs> so it was funny. I watched both princess switches yesterday because, uh, I just, when that first one came out in 2018, I was just like, no, this just looks not for me, but I figured, Hey, we have a sequel of this. They're apparently big deals. A lot of people watch these movies. So I wanted to give them a shot and it is really interesting because they, they are kind of at the top end of what these these Netflix movies, which are basically elevated Hallmark movies. And that the only difference between the two are that the Netflix movies have a bigger budget and they have sometimes some more notable stars in them. So like all, you know, like all these Hallmark movies are people returning to their small town and they run a quaint little business. It's like normally a bakery or something like that, or they make greeting cards. It's, or it's something just super, super fuzzy and it makes you want to just vomit from all of the disgusting fuzziness that it's trying to warm your heart with. Um, and this is basically the same thing where it's like Vanessa Hudgens is uh, like this baker in Chicago and you know, you know, she's from Chicago cause she wears a big hat. So Chicago on it. Um, <laughs> but, and she's like in this baking competition and in the first one she gets switched with uh, the Royal of some fake country. I think it's called, uh, I, it's like Montanaro is the name of the country. I can't, I can't remember, but there's two Vanessa Hudgenses and I, Vanessa Hudgenses is, I can't, I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> it's two of them and she's in a 
hammy uh, English accent, and then for half of it. Um, the first one is pretty fun. Uh, if you're in the right mood, you're a few drinks in, it could be pretty, pretty fun <laughs> for what it's trying to do. Uh, so the second one, I did just that. So I watched it under the most perfect circumstances you could ask for. So I got a, a bottle of uh, sparkling rosé, sat, sat down next to my girlfriend. I said, all right, let's go. Let's see what happens here. And the movie was only fine, which I guess shows how bad it is because we were we were a little drunk <laughs> watching it in the best circumstances possible, and it was only okay. So, um, yeah. In the, th- in the second one, there's three Vanessa Hudgens. There's three of them. There's like a bad cousin who comes in and tries to muck everything up and so there's three three of them switching places um so yeah that's that movie and everyone apparently really likes it (laughs) (laughs) um this reminds me do you think they'll get a third one or what oh so this is the really interesting thing so you know the other the other big hallmarky uh netflix franchise is is the christmas prince uh, yeah, and, that's what I was gonna bring up. <laughs> and they show up at the at the end of this movie. At the end, oh, of the, no oh way. I guess I guess spoilers, but it's Princess Switch, whatever. Yeah. Deal with it. But yeah, they show up. There's like this big crowning of one of the Vanessa Hudgenses. Um, she's becoming a princess, so now both of them are princesses, obviously. And so that yeah, the 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 two royals of the the Christmas Prince are there. Which is really weird. I had many questions about this because in the first Princess Switch, and it's weird that I remember all of this, but it's only because I watched this yesterday, which is why I remember any parts of these movies. But in the first one, they Vanessa Hudgens and the love interest watch A Christmas Prince. Like they open up Netflix and watch it. But then in the second one, they show up. So does that mean the events of the first of the first Christmas Prince movie were a documentary that we were, that they were watching in the princess switch, or was it that they reenacted their, their, their wacky hijinks and becoming Royals together, you know? Cause like now they're like real people in this universe, but before they were in the movie, like it's, it's, I have so many questions about that, but um, <laughs> so my guess is okay. the next movie, my, my guess is the next movie we're going to have, for Vanessa Hudgens and it's going to be a crossover with the Christmas Prince. So, we'll so see. it's essentially it's an extended universe. It's it's a big time extended universe coming to uh, Netflix Hallmark Christmas movies. It's so funny because like Netflix has gone so far into this. Like like all of them do so so well in the service. There was that movie. You remember it was a few weeks ago or months ago. Was, you remember that movie Love Guaranteed that showed up on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just like it was Rachel Lee Cook was in it. It was just a total the Hallmark movie, and it was basically the same thing. And they all do super super well. So the algorithm it always gets smarter, and it figures out that we love these sappy, just terrible movies that are somewhat campy and fun. I guess I don't know. <laughs> we're we're going to get more of them, that's for sure. Yeah, and I mean, this kind of brings me into the conversation of uh, do you think? In the next one with this Alt Space crossover, you'll see Kurt Russell Santa Claus show up. I would watch that. That's true. <laughs> I, I haven't seen a Christmas, the Christmas Chronicles yet. Maybe I have to. It's, it's good. Like, you know, but mm-hmm. anything anything with Kurt Russell in it, sure, why not? <laughs> you know, just, two years ago, um, two years ago, I watched the Christmas Chronicles when it came out, and I said when I watched, it, I'm like, this could be like a this could be good enough to be like one of your regular yearly Christmas movies. And it, and it is, I think it's, it's not like an amazing movie, but 
I think the Christmas Chronicles is good enough to be a movie that returns every year for people to watch. It, it, it was that good, in my opinion. I just want to get to, like, the 10th Princess Switch movie where <laughs> there's, like, 10,000 Vanessa Hudgenses on the on yeah. the screen, and it just, like, it descends into, like, this void of just all Vanessa Hudgens all the time. Um, I'd be here for that if they wanted to go that crazy with it. Um, but it is interesting... Mean. Because I feel like Vanessa Hudgens is making this move towards sort of an elevated Hallmark actress. And that's not a disparaging remark at all. I, I actually kind of like her a, a, her dubious uh, co- coronavirus remarks aside that she made at the beginning of the lockdown. But um, she – I don't really know what else she's been in since – after High School Musical, you like what she's been Spring Breakers – Mm-hmm. Where she was actually really good in that movie. I think that's maybe her best performance as an actress. But other than that, she hasn't been in much. You would think she's in more just because she's this big big personality on social media. You see her all the time. But she really hasn't been in much. She was in that second act movie with Jennifer Lopez. Um, right. But but she was in that... Remember this movie last year? It was a Netflix movie. It was The Night Before Christmas. Yeah, and, I do remember okay. that. And that's kind of the same thing where it's like this... This hallmarky Christmas movie on Netflix. So I'm wondering if she's just going full on, like this is her thing now. Maybe I think so. It, it makes sense now. I, I think like I'm looking. I just pulled up her filmography, and it looks like that's what's what's happening for her right now. Um, yeah. It's so strange because you would think she would she'd be in more things, but I guess not. Yeah, I mean, we got one here that we got another Netflix movie. She's going to be in Lin Manuel Miranda directed musical drama. TBD of when it's coming out. All right, fun. Yeah, so I mean, still a Netflix movie, but maybe uh, she's going to foray a little out of the elevated hallmark just for that. Um, But that's interesting. There's a lot of actresses who do that, and good for them getting that paycheck. Why not? People like those movies. They serve their purpose. So, hey, good for her. She does it. Yeah, why not? Um, So, another thing we did want to touch on here in the top 10 was. A uh, short film Netflix dropped. Uh, I feel I'm choking up about to talk about it. Uh, if anything happens, I love you. Uh, this is a short film that Netflix dropped on here. It's about 12 minutes long. Um, if you wanted to open it up a little, that'd be great. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's best going into. It's a short film, so you can easily watch it. I think it's best knowing mm-hmm. as little as possible, right? You just want to go into mm-hmm. it as blind and just so you can get washed over by some of the emotions because it gets really, really. It's really, really tough, and I think it it speaks to one of the just worst issues in the United States and around the world right now. So, um, yeah, I would cons- I would tell everyone to watch it and don't read the description. Just go in and watch it, and it's 12 minutes, and there's really good animation on it. And then after you watch it, I'd check out the article that uh, B. Peterson wrote on the site yesterday, which is just really moving and really terrific. Um, I, love, I love the work that they did on that, so... Um, yeah, I would just I would say just go watch it. Just dive right in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in my defense, I mean, I watched it a little less than an hour ago, so I'm still. Are you choking? Are you choking up right now? <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. But okay, it's... I was gonna say I would have like hugged you through the Zoom call, <laughs> the Skype call, or whatever. <laughs> it's, it was well done. I mean, it's the animation's good. Everything's good. Uh, I would I would just, as you said, dive in and watch that. It's a good. Uh, it's it's twelve minutes of art. <laughs> It is kind of cool when 
every so often Netflix drops one of these short films. Uh, it's just kind of cool because they, they were, what was that? The uh, the David Lynch uh, short yeah. film that dropped earlier this year where he's talking. It's like a it's like a noir movie and he's talking to a a talking monkey. <laughs> it's like the big time. It's like the big conversation where the detective like talks to the possible uh, like like criminal and it's instead of criminal it's just a monkey and it's really goofy <laughs> but what, i do like it however what so did jack often. do that's what it is yeah and i do love how they just ever so often they just put um short films in there and they had, they had that whole homemade series that dropped which was a bunch of great filmmakers making short films while they were in quarantine which i still need to get through but the, the few i've watched were really terrific so um and they had the paul thomas anderson short last year uh, anima i think it was anima yeah. anima um, that was just really terrific. So if they can, they can keep producing all the princess switches that they want. If they sprinkle in some of these short films as well. I think it's fair to say that Netflix is, while they do have a lot of bad movies, I think they are diversifying in a good way. You know, I think there's a lot that's coming to this streaming service in the last year, last year and a half, two years, even that has been a little more interesting. There's definitely more layers to their content. And uh, this is just another, uh, if anything happens, I love you is the name of this short film. And I think this is another example of that. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes when we get into the, the concept behind movie making, what these services drop, we want to see these big changes that happen right away. And I think we all need to take a step back and remember that like the movies take very long to make. And I'm sure if they, I think Netflix had an, they had an issue with they wanted to make a lot of big budget movies at the start and they had Bright and all these just really bad big budget movies that weren't very good and you take that into consideration and slowly over time you just see them get a little better and I think they definitely have gotten better at some of their more marquee stuff and like The Old Guard was a I thought it was just a really good action movie and that's something that they probably fumble a few years ago but I think they, they I think they do have it figured out you're right yeah no for sure so. With that, I think, I mean, you look at this, eight or ten Netflix top tens are Christmas movies, um, and one is a short, so you only have one feature length there, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2, that's kind of uh, holding strong, very interesting, <laughs> um, so it's, it's just going to be like this for the next four weeks, I guess. Yeah, I'm I'm one of those people that wants uh, Thanksgiving to have its time first, and then we can go to Christmas, but... Clearly. That's, that's what I'm telling you. I mean, Canada's got it down pat. Second week of October, Thanksgiving. I mean, I think we have a great cushion. That's I always forget that that's a thing that you that the Canadians <laughs> do. What a time. <laughs> I, I enjoy it. I mean, I think it's I think it's worthwhile. Like you have you, you get to have that relaxing time. I feel like if I was in the US I'd be for a month I'd be kind of just on another level. Like you're you're busy for a month setting up for everything and if <laughs> yeah. like Thanksgiving, Christmas Christmas, the shopping's right away. Like, I like having that two-month bubble. It is funny how, or I mean, it's not funny, but it's it speaks to, like, oh, not not every country does it like it happens in America, where it's the third week in November. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it is funny, but yeah, I, it is funny because it's during this time. My my girlfriend really loves Christmas movies, so she's already diving in. But yeah, I like to wait a little bit. Uh, just to give, I'll, I'll start on the day after Thanksgiving, maybe. But I like, to, I really love Thanksgiving, and so I want to give it its time. But you, uh, you, you uh, were able to make a little exception for uh, the Princess Switch. 
Edition. Well, yeah, I gotta, I gotta have some content to talk about while we're we're creating our own content, you know. <laughs> um, so we'll segue a little way, a little way from the Netflix top ten. There, um, there's a movie that I know that you wanted to discuss, a recent release here uh, called Run, starring Sarah Paulson. Yeah, this uh, Run just dropped on Hulu this week. I just wanted to mention it because it's pretty good, and it's from uh, Anish Changanti, uh, the director who did Searching. Uh, a few day, a few uh, years ago, 2018, I think maybe. But um, yeah. I, I like that movie quite a bit. Not as much as a lot of other people did. I know a lot of people were kind of over the moon for it. I thought it was really, really good, and I think it showed that he's a terrific director. But um, I didn't quite fall in love with it as much as everyone else did. And I feel like I'm kind of in the same boat with this one. Uh, Run is getting really, really good reviews, and I think there's there's a lot of reasons why, which I'll get to. But um, I'm not crazy for it like other people but i think it's terrific and i think it kind of announces anish changanti as one of the next big thriller directors i think he's made two by all by all intents and purposes just a very like two really solid movies that people really really like uh, so i would guess that he might be another the next movie to uh, director to watch what he does in the next few years he's only 29 which is kind of crazy to think about and he's made two movies it's like, what am I doing with my life? Like, I'm 25, so he was probably <laughs> already in the middle of working on searching. It's like, Jesus, I'm just here talking about his movies. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> you got your own uh, thing going. Yeah, exactly. He, he's, he's a really smart dude. He worked uh, at the on the marketing team for, for Google for a few years, and he worked in a lot of their commercials and stuff. So really smart guy and moved over to searching and now run, um, which – is really good. And it stars um, Sarah Pars- Paulson, obviously, is the crazy mom. But uh, the co-star, Kira Allen, is terrific in this movie. And she is the um, first wheelchair user in a mainstream thr- thriller in mm. over 70 years, which is crazy to think about. Um, for one, it's kind of a bummer that we don't have just more people uh just more representation in that respect in film, but also just great for her. And she's also amazing in this movie and I hope she gets a lot more work. Um, But yeah, she is stuck in a wheelchair and you quickly realize that her mom played by Sarah Paulson, who has been taking care of her for all all her life, maybe isn't as nice or as forward with what she's doing. Um, As you might think at the beginning, there's something a little more nefarious going on. Um, it's very, uh, the, the, the term Hitchcockian has been used quite a bit, um, which in this respect, I think there, there is some mommy issue. Um, uh, there's a lot of mommy issue stuff going on in this movie. So I think it fits. And it's funny. There's one character whose name is uh, Miss Bates. And I thought that was pretty cute, but, um, it'll, it'll this movie is pretty good. It's, it's predictable, but, um, which is my biggest flaw with it. Uh, you you'll basically know where it's going the entire time. But Kira Allen is terrific. She's a really good actress. I want to see her more stuff. And Sarah Paulson's always great. So uh, it's on Hulu now. I want to I tell everyone to check it out. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Um, I'm a big fan of searching. I think if I remember correctly, I had it at like number ten on my top uh, ten of that year. Um, I didn't find. Did you going back to searching? Did you find that to be a predictable film? Because I remember it being uh, pretty unpredictable. Yeah, I feel like 
it's one of those things. I, I guess I'll spoil it. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't want to. Spo- I'm fine spoiling the Princess Switch, but I don't want to ruin searching for people. So I guess <laughs> come just fast forward thirty seconds. But um, it's one of those things where the the second most famous person in the cast, when they don't play a super big role, you know, their their role is going to be bigger later on. So that's all I'll say. Mm. Yeah, okay. but um, um, I thought it was a really good. It was a really good directing job by him, and I that and i think this it's the same with run as well run is super super well directed and there's a lot of cool tricks that he uses but um i think if he f- comes into i know he he writes his own scripts too but um if he can somehow create a really really dynamite script he he could be one of these directors that makes an all-time great movie so um i think he's terrific yeah no for sure um so let's move into, I guess, something that I had watched this past week. I watched a lot this past week that I liked. I watched uh, Barry, the movie about Barack Obama and his time in the university. I thought that was a good time. Um, I watched Burning last night, another good film. Um, definitely an interesting one that I will have to probably rewatch at some point. I watched The Fundamentals of Caring, which we differ a little bit on. I don't love it, but I think it's a fine movie. Um, but the one I wanted to talk about, I watched it when it first came out, and that's Mandy. I mean... I liked it when it first came out quite a bit. I enjoyed it. But I think this time, most certainly, I liked it a lot more. Um, it's a, it's quite the trip, and oh, my God. Um, I know you've watched it. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure you're a fan of it. Mandy fucking rules. I love Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I mean, this is just a, a wild movie. And I, I appreciated it more this time. I think a lot of it had to do with just... Um, really paying attention to the music and paying attention to just how this movie kind of crawls to its conclusion. It doesn't, it's not a slow movie by any means, but I think it is hypnotic in a way. Um, and there were a few other layers to it that I didn't quite understand or that I didn't quite pick up on two or so years ago when I watched it. Like there's the, um, so this, this, uh, I won't spoil much, but there is this cult or whatever. And they, I, I don't know if you know about this, but I didn't really pick up on it. Uh, there's one scene with Bill Duke and Nicholas Cage is talking to him. They're talking about this weird cult and he's Nick Cage is getting weapons from Bill Duke to kind of go after them. Um, and what you see here is uh, Bill Duke kind of drops the hint that this cult took some bad drugs and now they're just messed up forever. I didn't really uh, pick up on that because he doesn't really blatantly say it. He has a code for it. I didn't really pick up on that, but now I get it. And then there's a point in the movie where Nick Cage also takes those bad drugs and the rest of the movie is a different level. Um, so there's definitely a little bit of a more interesting thing to pick up on. Uh, but yeah, this is a, this is always a good time. Oh yeah. I, it's been, a, I watched it. I think I watched it. I rented it right after it left the theaters and it's funny. I actually bought it on Blu-ray and I'm waiting for it for a very long time, which is crazy. So a side note here, I, bought it from Amazon probably like a few weeks ago and I think maybe a month ago at this point and they shot me back like hey we don't have a scheduled uh, delivery date yet but we'll let you know and I was like whatever and then they got back to me like two weeks later and says hey like your blu-ray of Mandy is going to come in January I was like what uh it's just bizarre so it kind of just shows like this movie isn't super like small it's got very much a big cult following it's got a freaking cheddar goblin in there at one point people really like this movie um but it's it's crazy like the amount like the how terrible distribution is that you have to wait that long for this so 
I guess this is my side note to say, like, you should invest in uh, physical media because mm-hmm. who knows what will happen to it. So I've actually been doing a lot to my physical media collection recently. But, um, yeah, buy it now, I guess, because you won't get it for four months. <laughs> but, yeah, I love this movie a lot. It's really, really good. It's one of the few times where in the past in the past few years, because, you know, Nick, Nick Cage has been in a lot of junk recently, and I think his financial troubles have been quite um, clear in a lot of uh, discussions around. He's just in a lot of stuff now because he has to pay off a lot of different debts and whatnot. But every so often he is in a very strange movie with a director who knows exactly how to use him. And it's such a weird experience that it becomes kind of amazing. And Mandy is one of them and the color out of space is another one that I'm thinking of. But um, yeah, Mandy, it's that first hour. You're right. It's pretty, pretty slow, but you're never, you're never not interested. Like you're mm-hmm. always engaged in the, the score and the, the color, the color mm-hmm. gray and everything going on. And you're just like, you are waiting for everything to drop. And then obviously in that second half, it really starts to go on you. But um, yeah, <laughs> it's, I kind of want, there's another movie where I kind of want people just to watch it. Cause you would, you don't really know much about it just from the title. Like who's Mandy? Um, obviously it's the, Andrew Riseboro character, but he doesn't really tell you much about the mood of the movie. So I kind of want people to just go in and just get thrown back by how insane this movie is. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a crazy time. <laughs> um, but you're right about Nick Cage. Every so often it comes, and when it comes, it's 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 gorgeous. It's it's amazing, and it shows like he is still a very good actor. I know there's a lot of talk about is he a bad actor? No, he's he's really good. He's just in a lot of crap now for things that are just outside of. Um, well, maybe not his control because <laughs> he's the reason for it. But it's it's he's in a lot of just junk just because he has to. But he's um, he's he's still got it. He's he's uh, he's really good. The, arguably the best part of Into the Spider Verse where he's uh, Noir <laughs> Spider Man. Um, yeah. He's in a lot of stuff. Um, but I encourage everyone to check out Mandy. I I think personally his his junk adds to the legend of Nick Cage. I think it makes him who he is. You're kind of right. It's at this point, you're like, there is a, there is a, I guess, younger generation of people who don't realize he was in so many amazing movies throughout the 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. where uh, I think a lot of people know him from National Treasure, which is kind of crazy yeah. to think about that there's all there's like a lot of teens that think of him that way. But yeah, every so often, it'll just throw a crazy, I don't even know if it's, if Manny's a curveball, it's like a, like a screwball or just something <laughs> like, or whatever, like a gyro ball or something insane throws it at you. Um, and the director of Panos Cosmonos just, just drips the screen, all these crazy colors and whatnot and psychedelic imagery. I still need to see his, one of his other movies. I think it's called beyond the black rainbow, which I think also has a cult following as well. That's one I need to check out too, but yeah, Mandy, good flick. Good one. <laughs> um, now I want to throw it back to you because I know you wanted to watch or you wanted to discuss some uh, something very interesting in regards to our favorite Quibi. Yeah, I watched a Quibi. I watched a quick bite. Um, <laughs> it's really funny because I I got a free trial to watch some things and I got through this one I want to talk about, Most Dangerous Game, the remake of the thing that's been remade so many different times. Uh, but shortly after, I, I got into a few episodes of that Die Hart, the Kevin Hart uh, mm. series where he goes to action hero school. I got through like two episodes of that. And then like the next day, Quibi was like, ah, we're canceling. Sorry. And I was like, oh, OK. I thought you guys weren't lasting until December. But 
I guess not. So you've probably already lost your chance to watch Quibi content if you wanted to before they go offline. Um, so that's kind of a bummer. I'm really, I still am very interested to see what happens with their content because I want it to find a home because it deserves to be seen for all the creators involved. Because um, another plug for B. Peterson, um, they wrote a really good article or two articles on um, one, the home movie Princess Bride that uh, Kubi did and also just ranked all of their uh, Kubi's narrative feature films and apparently it looked like there was a lot of good stuff on there but we'll see but anyway i watched most dangerous game which is the one with uh liam hemsworth and christoph waltz and it's just 24 hours of liam hemsworth trying not to die and getting chased by people and uh, it's there <laughs> that's it it's, it's it's a thing that exists um it's one of the most like bland things to watch it's not bad it's just very much there it, it will never surprise you. It's it's competently made. It's competently acted. There's just nothing particularly good about it. Um, and it's also a little frustrating. I was expecting, this is obviously breaking my Quibi virginity with this. I was expecting <laughs> there to be um, some more tricks with the the phone, uh, the way it's, it's shot on the phone, or I guess play, or shot for the phone. So when you switch vertical and horizontal, um, it would do more, but it really doesn't. It just, when you switch your phone to vertical, it just zooms in on one part of a scene. So it gives you like a slightly different angle, but that really, it, that's it. It doesn't really do much, which I thought was a little frustrating. I spent like the first episode just flipping back and forth being like, oh, is it going to finally show me something different? No? Oh, let me try again. <laughs> I just kept doing it over and over again. I just never, nothing came of it, but. So that was a little frustrating, but yeah, it's uh, it's funny because they led big with most dangerous game, and it's the most bland. <laughs> we'll see. So maybe that shows why Quibi didn't last so long. But oh, yeah, I want. I really wanted to, to check out Wireless, which was I think executive produced by Steven Soderbergh, which mm. I've talked about a few times. And that one seemed to play a little bit with the form, where if you tilted your phone vertically it showed you the text messages of ty sheridan's character who's trying to escape i think he's trapped in his car or something like that or he's like he's out he's stranded out in his car and he's trying to get to safety and you look what he's texting when it goes vertical which is which i think is a neat idea and then it goes back to the actual uh, film itself when you go horizontal but i guess not we'll see maybe it, hopefully it goes on netflix or something like that some at some point but that's interesting yeah. i kind of want to try that out that's pretty neat yeah i i in theory i i've been i feel like i've said this the whole time i don't think quibi is a bad idea i mm -hmm. just think it was an awful business marketing uh just a blunder by them yeah because i think the power of the memes are a big deal and they wouldn't let you screen grab their stuff at first which weirdly i think is very underrated in terms of how things spread these days um yeah, it just they wanted to. They came in like puffing their chest, and we're going to change the game. And they didn't try to play by any of the rules. It was just, I don't know. It just, I think, it's. I would like to see someone else try it. Maybe like I, I think I've given this, given this option before. Maybe Netflix says we have a studio that works for us that creates content like Quibi, where it's like these little ten-minute episodes. Maybe that's the way it goes, and not its own thing and its own app. Yeah. But the, the Quibi section of Netflix. Yeah, there is something to do here. I, I, I reject 
making fun of Quibi just for the sake of making fun of Quibi. But yeah, there is still <laughs> there still is fun things to make. There is a lot of things to make fun of because it was a, a disaster of a launch for them. It's sad. Very sad. Um, but I'm glad you got to uh, experience it a little bit um, before it's gone. Uh, so with that, that's our episode of the Movie Babble podcast today. As always, you can check out our content on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, everywhere on there, and obviously at moviebabble.com, and we'll see you next week.